0: Welcome to the new episode of Civis Patchum Dear Listeners. In today's episode, we discuss recent developments in American foreign policy. We try to assess uh, first foreign policy speech made by President Biden and try to assess whether those goals can be realistically fulfilled. And also generally discuss how American foreign policy will develop further under President Biden. So as always, enjoy the episode and have a good day. And welcome back to the new episode of C.V. Spachem. And today, I guess, uh, we have uh, the same topics for discussion because... Again. <laughs> yes, the world, I guess, the international politics intensifies recently. And with all those uh, Navalny, I guess, arrest, And um, just, you know, uh, the kind of like this rift between uh, the West and Russia. And also between China. And also we have... Uh, Uh, The speech, the first Biden's foreign policy speech, but I would start maybe just asking you a question because uh, I guess I don't really need to update people on Navalny's arrest. It hit the news Mm -hmm. and pretty much everyone is aware of it. But I would basically ask you how, like, just maybe about the reaction from Poland. So we can just start from this, you know, how how was the Navalny's arrest um, met in Poland?
1: It's a super interesting question because um, the Polish government is all for democracy. Always, whenever uh, they can use this argument against uh, Belarus or Russia, they're the biggest democracy supporters ever. So um, the reactions from Poland were: Yes, we support Navalny. We hmm. don't like Putin. Uh, we want him to be released immediately. Um, we want a democratic Russia, uh, and we will not stand for human rights violations in Russia. Um, there's also you know right now heated uh, diplomatic conflict uh, because of uh, diplomats being expelled Polish Mm -hmm. diplomats from Russia and Russian from Poland Um, but it's again all words and no actions really Uh, nobody's talking about any sanctions or any uh, you know Mm -hmm. um, definitive actions against Russia so officially there was a lot of uh, outrage and Condemnation, but uh, nothing really was done, which I feel like uh, many Western countries actually, actually did so far. They uh, spoke a lot, but didn't do much.
0: I guess. I guess they talk about sanctions a little bit in the U.S. Senate, and uh, they're probably gonna impose new sanctions, which basically won't change anything, I guess. And. Uh, when I think about sanctions, you know, we can just—I uh, guess it's one of the least uh, useful tools in American toolkit of foreign policy because you can, you know, look at Iran and they've been living under sanctions for like, decades and it, don't yeah. ch- it doesn't change their behavior like uh, at all. Even though it's like it's still relatively weak state in comparison to like Russia, and. Yeah, it just basically doesn't change uh, politics. It only kind of intensifies the conflict. It it also kind of uh, I I would say like the Navalny team, they chose the strategy to appeal to Western kind of like powers to sanction um Uh like Russian officials. I would say it's a little bit misleading because then like, you know, Russian government and Russian people would We'll probably like we'll definitely believe that um like navalny team they just work like with the west and you know it just it just shows that they're like kind of affiliated with the west and it's i guess yeah. the same as tikhanovskaya when you know they um and like uh, probably this Guaido in uh, venezuela when they uh when they officially kind of like try to say that the, like this leader of opposition is like the leader of the country but it's just it's just a joke, and it only kind of like um, gives the Russian propaganda a very nice case to say, look, you know, it's all about like West and Western interference yeah. into our affairs. absolutely.
1: And this is actually what uh, Lukashenko's propaganda used uh, very efficiently. Like you know, uh, mm-hmm. photos of uh, Tichanovsky with the Western politician the politicians. Uh, for example photos with Polish prime minister were used like oh see Poland is sponsoring a coup in our country and we need to resist you know uh, yeah. they want to i don't know rebuild the uh, <laughs> the commonwealth and you know they're aggressive and see we have evidence here here she is accepting uh, some medals from the Polish prime minister it's, it cannot be a co- coincidence right so i'm um, i'm not sure if this strategy is <laughs> is effective
0: yeah and especially now i guess when the situation is pretty heated up and uh, of course whereas I mean, doesn't have so much power as it used to have, like in let's say zero, so just like 90s, and it looks like pretty pretty much, and especially now when you understand that you know human rights are basically violated everywhere, and uh, there's so many problems with human rights in the West as well, but just like just to kind of have this uh, propaganda narrative that you know it's all blame on like this Putin and their government, let's just sanction them. It only will alienate russia to be honest and it won't it, it won't change its behavior a hundred percent and then maybe it back like third it serves like very good um, case for russian propaganda to say like yeah uh, navalny works with the west and you know he's and i mean it will be very it will resonate with russian people because they uh-huh. basically pro i like, i i mean they're basically pro russian in a the sense they won't really you know uh buy this argument that uh west uh, sanctions Russia just because it wants to russia to be democratic of course they all believe that uh, they sanction russia because they want russia to be weak and that's what like argument that putin uses all all the time so yeah. I would say yeah it's not a it's not the best strategy to pursue and um, I, I mean, I don't think they will change their behavior, uh, but on the other hand, it also kind of a little bit um, unites NATO and Western countries uh, because they, you know, they kind of have this common enemy, uh, yeah, and it kind of like gives
1: NATO a purpose,
0: yeah, and it kind of builds this uh identity, us versus them. Uh, although you know, in Poland, in Turkey, you, you have so many problems with human rights and this, yes, like. And no one really says anything because, I mean, they say something, but they don't sanction, of course, like even Turkish government, because because it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, to, it's not in the interest of, of anyone, basically. Yeah. yeah, I guess. So it's just important to follow someone's interest, I guess, in international politics. And I guess it's also like a good advice to our listeners, because people tend to believe these propaganda narratives. Uh, but it's 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 all about who's in, in whose interest this kind of action uh that takes place to be honest so mm-hmm. like just about navalny i would say it's of course it's horrible and uh, the whole situation with navalny you couldn't really say um anything else but like that he is a political prisoner number one in russia but at the same time you could not really build your foreign policy uh, on this uh, agenda that you kind of no. you you have a right to interfere while, you know, Russia has no right to interfere in American elections or in American politics. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I guess uh, that's um, I guess that maybe let's wish, I guess, I guess we already kind of uh, touched this point because I, I would say during this week, it pretty much feels that we live in a very dangerous uh, time, um, also because there is a lot of, not, not only Russian propaganda, but I feel it's logical point to make that uh, something can happen from the Russian side following, like, in, in the next few months. Because First uh-huh. Russia has, like, elections. It's pretty tough uh, political year for, like, the power elite. And, um, of course, one thing they can do, they can kind of distract uh, people by, you know, invading other country or basically maybe... Um, um, taking donbass and uh, like making donbass russian territory officially it's not official yet but you know they give passports to people who live there so it's almost like russian territory and they give money as well to reconstruct it
1: yeah uh, Putin is very skilled in using foreign policy to boost his ratings at home so i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he did something uh against the west very soon um mm-hmm. which I guess he is forced by with the Navalny situation and with the pretty aggressive rhetoric that he is met with from the West. Uh, it's perfect uh, environment for him to make a move.
0: Yeah, and um, of course, uh, people should keep an eye on, on Georgia and Donbass. Uh, both because uh, they can pretty much... Uh, I mean, on the one hand, I, I think it's not in their best, in your Russian best interest to conquer, like, like not conquer, but to... Um, make donbas part of a russian territory because i think they want to use donbas as a part of this bargain bargaining process with the west so they you know they say well if you if you admit that you know crimea is a is a, is a russian territory we can we can facilitate peace talks with the Ukrainian like ukrainian government and we can make like and we, we want like you know we don't need donbas but uh, we can make it a part of like ukrainian territory again we have this power and I guess that's why they use like Donbass to basically kind of bargain with the West. Um, but, you know, if they, if they um, probably intensify the conflict there, they can, you know, um, not only try to conquer uh, Donbass, but maybe go deeper into Ukrainian territory where like other Russian, like where they have like big Russian population and yeah. kind of like split it even further so they can take Donbass, make it russian territory and then they can have other enclave and other like part of like ukrainian territory with like civil war so then they mm, they can like use this part of the territory as a bargain something like this i think is pretty pretty um realistic
1: yeah i absolutely agree with you um and i guess um we can move very smoothly to uh, the next topic being connected to this is how the West, uh, especially the US, would react to uh, Mm -hmm. such actions. Let's discuss this topic in the light of the recent speech that Biden gave on his foreign policy.
0: Which was really I would say surprising in terms of, on the one hand, uh, he started his presidency with a good news about, ex- like, New START extension, also appointing some very brilliant people in arms control, and then kind of, like, reversing his rhetoric and saying something like, you know, uh, we won't allow Russia to behave like this, uh, the U.S. is back, uh, which for me, I mean, those like just statements that follow this um, Pax Americana uh, kind of, like, Not propaganda, just Pax Americana ideology Mm -hmm. And of course the US is declining power and has kind of no substantial platform to build this politics And you know, it it did have like uh, uh, 30 years basically to build peace in the world and it failed And now you can see like both with China and Russia, they they won't change they like foreign policy, and they continue their foreign policy, and I think it's 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 just a sign that the U.S. is losing, and it cannot really come up with new ideas. I would say, because the the only thing, in my opinion, that the U.S. can do is, is just like admit that it's losing power and just use still very. Um, um, still use very like superior position to negotiate good some deals that will be comfortable for the US and won't oh. lead to any conflicts like about Taiwan or about I don't know any like Ukraine or NATO uh, and Russia and use this position kind of like step down and say yes but we can like you know uh, use, use its power to negotiate something instead of just uh, beefing up its rhetoric and saying, yeah, we we will, you know, we will continue this crusade and democracy will win and we have our allies, which, I mean, um, it's just the same politics just failed. And uh, why would you pursue the same policy? It's just, you know, trying to make an argument that it's just like Trump, who, who to blame? Like it's, this, I guess, is uh, misleading.
1: Yeah, I think, um, Trump Trump's foreign policy uh, was um, maybe not officially, but was maybe more suited for a declining power. That is, yeah. the biggest threat to American domination in the world is China right now. And Trump was all about China and getting, mm-hmm. you know, containing China. And we, here we have Biden who makes a speech that will basically uh, have a crusade for democracy and human rights all over the world, which yeah. sounds great, but the U.S. doesn't have the means to to do any of this. Uh, I mean, they might have means to, I don't know, maybe uh, coerce Iran in some way. But then again, you cannot do all the things at the same time. Um, Let's be honest, most of the states in the world are authoritarian. And Mm -hmm. if you officially uh, announce that you're going to fight for democracy all over the world, you're making most of the world your enemy. So um, that's interesting.
0: But it's also, you know, the idea to lead by example, I guess, means that uh, they should concentrate on like own domestic problems and try to kind of regain American maybe first position in economics and something like this and modern technologies, but not to continue this kind of crusade and not to pursue this ideology of like, you know, the world should be uh, liberal. Every country should have like this liberal values because like the world is changing and like like just players like china india and even russia they will have like greatest say in like in the future and of course like this i guess that this decade is really dangerous because we live in kind of this world where like the, the the rules of the game are not really defined so to speak because yeah because like you, you can make an argument like even in the 80s uh, like 60s it's like a little bit different time but i would say 80s like the the, the, the lead, like the last dangerous time like in history but like in terms of like great power competition like the rules of the game were at least defined and uh, everyone was interested in mainly kind of like uh, preserving status quo rather than gaining anything so, um, and now it feels it feels the the rules are not really defined, and um, everything can kind of like uh, kind of uh, try to um, have a like black... everyone can step in and try to define the rules of the game and try to uh, try to push uh, the world order into certain direction, and of course, usually in international relations, the new kind of order. Uh, uh goes uh, the new order is a, like result of some war which it was not the case of course in a late 80s and 90s when soviet union fell uh but that's why we live in this like, very dangerous time because it's not really well defined uh uh in what kind of world we're living in and they still need yes, to true. to talk to each other and they still need especially again it's not only the russian question it's also the china chinese question and because China is not satisfied with this position in the world, it's not satisfied with this position in uh, all like Western institutions. So it will it will increase, you know, uh, and it has like uh, uh, China has means to increase its dominance in the world, and especially in Asian region. I guess they're mainly interested in in pursuing like this uh, hegemonic policy in Asian region, maybe in Africa, but not like everywhere in the world, of course. Um, but, yeah, and I feel that's why we're living in this, like, dangerous time. Maybe the most dangerous time since 80s. And uh, everything can turn really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great point you made about the uh, how people wanted to preserve the status quo during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Right now, the only uh, status quo power would be the U.S., I guess. They just want to preserve their yeah. uh, domination over the world. But all the other countries and... Uh, great powers or aspiring great powers they're not status quo they're revisionist china wants to do some rev- revisions russia of course uh india is becoming powerful and they might want to have a say in things yeah. uh, europe is trying to get more independent of the us and we have never had in history an example of such a political uh, entity like the european union and we have no clue how it yeah. might work in the future Uh, So there are a lot of unknowns for the future. Yes,
0: a lot of unknowns, and this makes the situation is pretty dangerous and I guess fragile, uh, just in terms of security. And it's it's just sad to see that uh, maybe, I don't know, it's the only thing, you know, that unites Republicans and Democrats, this idea of American exceptionalism, an idea just to pursue this crusade. Because they have so many but they have so many problems uh, inside their country that it's the only thing where you can play with like american identity and say that we are united um it's hard to say for me but uh, to be honest i don't think i don't think this policy will lead to anything um i mean maybe they they will try to pursue this politics when you know they still have this rhetoric but they will try to negotiate something with russia on arms control something like this They will be, of course, great, and they have like nice team of experts in arms control department of uh, state department in the state department, um, in division like dedicated to arms control, non proliferation. So probably they will going to be something, uh, some attempts. But of course, like you know, the situation with Navalny and uh, the whole this whole idea um, of, of this kind of competition and like us versus them can play play out really badly for European security I would say but also with China for Asian security as well because I don't think uh, uh, I don't think like the West has power to do anything with China and with Taiwan it will probably become part of like Chinese territory at some point
1: I mean it all depends on how much uh, power China can accumulate because Mm -hmm. uh, even currently if uh, China wanted to invade Taiwan and the US wouldn't get involved it, they would still have a hard time. Uh, Taiwan is small but very militarized, it has mm-hmm. great, you know, short defense uh, systems. Um, so, yeah, if China continues the growth, I'm sure they can pull it off. But currently, I think um, they wouldn't be able to do it even without US yeah. support for Taiwan.
0: But they, they know how to, they, you know, they have this famous strategy. Just wait and uh, wait, like kind of wait for your time to come, so to speak. And of mm. course, they know how to use time for they for the advantage because now they understand, you know, in ten years. If we see, already we have seen such a big growth from in, in, in like in all in all aspects uh, you know, Chinese economy Chinese military we've seen like such a big growth of course in ten years it will it won't be the case for them that it's kind of like challenging to do anything and then they acquire all this like also Russian access uh, anti-access area denial systems which basically means that you could not really like for American Navy and military operate in the region without significant like losses to their like Navy mm. yeah. And I guess they just prepare for this scenario when they're going to like surprising, like uh, gonna, like have a surprise attack on Taiwan. Uh, at the same time, deploying all this like uh, anti accessory denial systems, and then what you can do. I mean, I I don't think uh, the S will start the war for the, for because of the Taiwan, of course, which which is why it's it makes sense to negotiate some deal right now because now the US still has uh, power to, to to negotiate to negotiate. And the same with, with yes. Russia, basically, just just like to to determine like what interests of other states are and just try to kind of come up with some deal yes and this like i guess one one hope maybe then uh it will still happen but you know just american system and american values and this idea of american exceptionalism it, it will hurt america to say you know that they um that they kind of not last the century, not lost this uh, power, like the age of American hegemony, but sort of step down. I guess it will be painful for America. What do you think?
1: Um, I think uh, they can make it less painful by employing their idea of American exceptionalism differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. has ap- applied the same idea in various different ways over history. At first. Uh, when the US was created, you know, they still thought they already thought they're exceptional, but they pursued a uh, policy of being an example for the world. So, you know, we we will not interfere in your uh, affairs, but look at us. We're the best and you should all be like us. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, I guess at one point some president might come and say, "Okay, you see, uh, we're the best, but the people all over the world are are not listening to us. They like they're, you know, not as smart as we are in pursuing our ways. So we'll continue to be a shining example for them, but um, we will not be forcing them to do anything because, uh, well, they're not, I don't know, developed enough to Mm -hmm. accept our ideas and stuff. So um, I don't think that American exceptionalism is going away anytime soon. I think it (laughs) might be employed in a different uh, manner
0: yeah but i mean for, for me i would assess you know just if you just look at history and you look uh, how much power the u.s actually acquired in the last uh, you know two centuries after the fall of soviet union it had so much power maybe and uh, the most powerful states since like roman empire and then it kind of failed to preserve uh, actually peace and to build sustainable world in, in any aspect even in climate change or whatever like you name it it's like they just basically lost this uh opportunity to build the world just because they were so um, you know as myshima would say kind of uh, uh, just build so uh, del- like um, disillusioned in this uh, in their faith that uh, only with democracy and the uh, peace theory you know democratic peace theory they can build like the sustainable peace they need to turn first all countries into democracies and they need to protect the rights throughout the world and this yeah. i guess this was just horrible for the world in terms of i mean they lost uh, this century of I mean, like this just chance to build a peace and of course i don't think you can actually build a peace without accommodating other powers and without listening to other players in the system it's just not possible um, even like you know, in the 50s and 40s, like with Marshall Plan, they still gave a voice to Germany, they still gave a voice to France, even though they kind of like you know, Germany lost the war, and they still gave and that works. Yeah, and that works, you know, some accommodation works. And you know, I already discussed it, anyone can say. Uh, like people can argue and historians can argue, you know, who started World War Two? who to blame with Soviet Union with like uh, Germany or it's like, a, I don't know, people argue, do argue a lot, but no one would argue with the statement that basically allies, uh, like after uh, Versailles conference, they put Germany into this condition. And to be honest, it did not really matter whether it would be like, you know, Hitler or some other right wing German politician who would seize this chance and just basically say, well, we, like, we Germans, like a like brilliant nation, cannot be humiliated like this, you know?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So it's the same I guess with Russia with China it's a little bit different because I feel they still recognize chinese power and um, you know no one sanctions Chinese uh, government because it's like a big market and from an economical standpoint no one you, like really everyone wants to have access to the Chinese market and also to Chinese product uh, at some just just to, just to produce there and be able also to sell uh, there so yeah
1: um but China still um uses the rhetoric of humiliation Mm -hmm. you know they have their uh famous century of humiliation they refer to the 19th century like this or you look at those europeans they humiliated us for a hundred years and uh in the 19th century in the 20th century we started recovering from this uh, exploitation by them uh and now we're almost done from recovery and you know we should uh Stand our ground and never let us uh, be humiliated again. So the same rhetoric of humiliation can be seen in China.
0: Yes, I pretty much agree with you uh, because that's true, and they they do have this idea that um, uh, they definitely were humiliated, and now they showed like the world like their place that they're like you know oldest and greatest civilization uh long like the like the most uh, long existing civilization uh, in the world yeah and um i would say i mean I, I still hope for the best for the best in terms of of course no one wants war but although all it looks like situation is going into disarray and dismay and just uh, so many conflicts uh, like lurking around the corner so to speak yeah so but i mean uh, on the like ending, maybe probably on the positive side, we still have this maybe decade to somehow I mean, the US has this decade to still accommodate those powers, still kind of try to negotiate with them and give them some chances. I guess for Russian government you know, um, maybe if when Putin steps down, because they also need to think about him stepping down at some, at some point, like the next yes. leader of Russia probably will welcome any sort of economic accommodation and any sort of economic help because Russian economy isn't big Uh, in in big troubles so to speak and of course they need money they need access to markets and uh, they need uh, yeah they need some help because it's still big country with lots of people but you know economic conditions are very not so well and not so well so and just if they think about how they can accommodate russia economically it can help and also it can help to maybe Mm, divide russia and china because of course uh, the US won't be able to fight in both fronts you know in europe and in asia it sounds impossible for me to be honest yeah you just need to be absolutely you, you just no one has this kind of power all right then i guess um uh, let's work it up that was yep, very that's a discussion um yeah rate us uh, just connect to us on twitter if you like and see you next time see you